and welcome to the Trek Companion Podcast. This is episode 19. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. Today we are excited to discuss the last three episodes of DS9's third season, Shakar Facets and um, Advers- The Adversary. And uh, Steve and I also this last weekend were at, well, the prior weekend, we're at the uh, big annual creation show. We're going to talk about that a little bit at the, at the tail of this podcast. So here we go. Shikar, Season 3, Episode 24, Production Number 470. Original air date, May 22nd, 1995. Written by Gordon Dawson, directed by Jonathan West. Music composed by Paul Belergen. Guest cast include Duncan Rager as Shikar, Diane Salinger as Lupaza, William Lucking as Pharrell, Sherman Howard as Saivar, John Doman as Lenars Holum, John Kenton Scholl as the security officer, and Louise Fletcher as Kai Wynn. When the first minister of Bejor's provisional government dies... Kai Wen is appointed to his duties and wants to be formally elected to the position. With her new powers, Wen asks Major Kira to ask, act as her representative in a dispute over soil reclamators in Kira's home province. And to make matters more interesting, the, the Kai's dispute is also with Kira's former resistance cell leader, Shikar. Kira must overcome her personal distaste with Wen to bring some sort of peace between the two or the situation could turn into a full-out civil war. It was a tense situation. You acted on instinct. They'll understand that. But they won't understand you coming with me. This isn't your fight, Nariz. Go home. I am home, Shakar. And I have been lied to by Kai Wen for the last time. She wants a fight. I'll give her one. That's an interesting episode here. Um, I think it asks some interesting questions. Mm-hmm. Um, narratively, it's odd because it starts off and it so reminds me of the Brian Keith episode from <laughs> season one. Mm-hmm. Am I the only one that felt that way? Yeah, I can see that. I can see yeah, that. It, it feels a lot like that. But then it then it very quickly changes. Um, I I like that we get to see kind of Kira's sort of hometown, you know, and the, mm-hmm. the, the people that she fought with all those years before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the thoughts I had... Uh, there's that that first scene when she arrives and sees Shakar, uh, and they're talking. I don't know; it's just a silly little thing, but it just kind of popped in my head. I don't know. I, I so immediately believed that they had this whole history together, mm-hmm. and like, oh, you know, you remember that time with this or this or that. And I just thought, well, you know, that to me is acting. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. That's acting, right? Because probably I don't yeah. even know if they ever met before that day they shot. That. Right, right. But that you know, that's good, and and it's we. It's very easy to to compliment some very dramatic scene, you know, which we do on this show. We we talk about well, I just mentioned in another episode from season one that I think it had some good dramatic acting or duet or whatever. Um, that's easy to notice. Though that kind of acting stands out, but this is acting too, and this is uh, this is very good acting, you know. And I, it's it's some it's so often that we take it for granted. I guess is my point. Do you mm-hmm. think? Um do you think they had a um, relationship in mind for these two from the get-go, or do you think because yeah, no, they kind of hit it off? Yeah, I read some behind-the-scenes on this. Now, this is one of the reasons they cast this actor because he's kind of a he's a bit of a romantic hero type lead. Um, they gave them just a couple of lines in this episode to see if maybe they would spark some kind of chemistry. Um, mm-hmm. Now they do bring him back a couple of times. I don't think they really do anything with it because I don't think they're. Right, they don't. Nothing happens in those couple of times they bring him back. 
I thought they were in a full-on relationship. Yeah, they're kind of in a they relationship. Do? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I can't show how long I've been. It's been since I watched yeah, this episode. I believe. I believe. Yeah. But he only comes back a, two or three more times. I'm sure yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, what do you guys think of this one? Yeah, I thought it was. I I liked it. I kind of like kind of like you said. I like the uh, characters that we you know from Kira's past, and and you know they're likable, and it's an interesting dynamic. And uh, you know, you I always hate win for all the right reasons you know i guess and seeing her in this you know it's like let's find another way to really make her seem distasteful and they did that you know successfully <laughs> well this is the thing with the kai though this is one of the few episodes where she comes out um kind of on the losing end she's usually yeah very mm-hmm. manipulative and she gets her way um this one time that kind of doesn't work out too too well for her I like Cisco being cool with her, and it really makes her look like a, like ridiculous, you know. Yeah, I was just about to mention that scene. I like that scene when when Cisco comes into her office and she asks him to bring in Federation troops, basically. Yeah, um, and you know she has her her uh, her way of asking a question, <laughs> but Cisco is just far, far, far too smart for her. You know, <laughs> yeah. She can't. She can't pull one over on Cisco, and it's kind of funny that she would even try, actually. <laughs> and yeah, I think this is the first time. I mean, you know, they kind of split ways after this. I think after this, she's tried. She tries to start undermining his position as emissary from here on out. Right? She goes against um, the Federation. She kind of just. I, that's that whole scene was just the. That's there's there's going to be a turn in her um, relationship with Cisco. You know. Up to this point, she's been pretty nice to him, and you know. But I think from here on out, if I remember correctly, she's not so nice to him anymore. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting that she would that she would run for this for this role. She's already the the spiritual leader of Bajor, um, and now she wants to, um, you know, uh, coalesce all of the the power that there is on the planet by becoming the non spiritual leader. Um, well, just and, emphasize and, is how power hungry she is. That's like a real yeah, thing. Yeah, that's all she's, she's ever really interested in is is accruing more power. But uh, it's one of those those things that where it, it just again sets it apart from our society. Um, in the state, in the United States, uh, obviously, separation of church and state is something that we you know, try to <laughs> adhere to, and not that we have some religious leader that would have that level of stature but even if we did the thought of the same person being both president and mm-hmm. something like i don't know the pope or something it's it's just that's crazy to us you know what is that was that called a theocracy is that what that's called kind of where religion and state are yeah. in the same mm-hmm. power same yeah. instance which is interesting because we learn a little bit about Bajoran politics here. We we learn a bit as it goes. We learn more and more, of course. But this kind of says, okay, there's this, you know, premier, this prime minister type role, and it's not connected to religion because it, you know, Bajor is a quite it ties religion in quite a bit to life. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't be a shock to see that they had some kind of, you know, that the religious figure held power, you know, in in politics. But we we kind of see how it works a little bit here. Now the position that she's considering running for that at the end of the episode we discover Shakar is going to run for and win. Mm-hmm. Is that the same position that um, the guy that ran the circle in those... Oh, um, was that the same? I, I, minister, I minister Jaro. Was that the yeah, same? I, was was yeah. it? So he was first I, minister, is that correct? Okay, I, yeah, I believe he was at the time. I think so, yeah. Because okay. uh, cause you talk about that... that 
putting the spiritual power and the religious power together, you know, and I think about those scenes between him and Kai Wynn. Well, mm-hmm. okay, she mm-hmm. wasn't Kai back then, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Uh, I also thought it was interesting, well, interesting, but it kind of kind of ties up the uh, Vedic Burial here, you know. We yeah. allude to him at the top and then at the end. And we, oh, it's interesting, of course, just hearing uh, Bajoran language a bit, but we, they bring him on the end. Obviously, she's doing a prayer related to him, and then at the end, she blows out the candles. It's kind of a wrap, and it's also coincidental. Although I did not, think it was weird. Did she leave that freaking candle burning the entire time she was gone? <laughs> like, I think she's gone. She leave that candle. <laughs> does not seem safe. That's a and fire hazard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then it's of course not coincidentally the same episode they introduced this character, Shikar. You know, so yeah. Yeah, it it, it does have together. a fun, almost pseudo sequel feel to um, the episode where Barile dies. Not only because of his death, but because they talk a lot about the um, the treaty and. Uh, they point out how she didn't give any of that. I like that scene too. That whole scene's great. Yeah, you know. her and uh, Kira and and uh, how, how they, she points. Kira points out that Wynn did not give any credit to Barile in that treaty, and then she was like, "Well, Barile never had any interest in fame <laughs> or anything like that. I'm surprised you didn't know that. You know, <laughs> only, only Wynn could turn something like that into yeah. <laughs> turn it back on you." You know, she's a pretty sneaky lady, too. You know, if you think about it, the she's the Kai. She's the head of the um, religious, you know, and now she's the first minister. And she managed to get, to get under DS9 and all the way to Kira's door without anybody knowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to talk about what, what I think this one's about. Um, what I like about this, and it just touches on this a little bit. Is, are these shades of gray? Now, we talked about that a little bit with Wynn before, but w- what makes Wynn interesting to me is how she's like, you know, <laughs> um, she doesn't think she's evil. Uh, uh, when Steve and I uh, were at the uh, Creation Star Trek show, I remember somebody asked Jeff Jeffrey Combs about um, Brunt and Wei Yoon and... Uh, playing, you know, the villain, and he said, um, remember what he said, Steve? He said, uh, oh yeah, he said, you don't play a bad guy, you play a guy with a different agenda. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I've i never thought Wynn, Wynn doesn't think she's bad, you know, Wynn doesn't think she's evil. Um, so she has that scene where she talks about, uh, that scene with Cisco, and Cisco says, why don't you just, you know, take the, withdraw your troops from the region, uh, let things calm down and then she's very defiant she says mm-hmm. you know when Shakar can dif- disregard the law we risk falling into anarchy is basically what she says um, and there are there is an element of, of truth in what she says and like most people that look back on as, as uh, evil there is just enough truth in there that you know, we can understand it, that she's able to convince a lot of people of it, people that aren't as smart mm-hmm. as, say, Cisco. Um, were you going to say something? No, no. Well, no. Well, I th- well, I, well, I think Odo points that out in that conversation they had. It's like, we, um, you know, we, we have a different perspective. Us, the audience, and the crew on DS9 have a different perspective of the Kai. And, you know, and he makes it, he makes the point very, very well. It's like, you know, nobody sees her like this throughout Bajoran society. They see her as this, you know, very good and, you know, spiritual person who they should follow. So 
I thought that whole scene was, you know, kind of described her and the situation, why people love her because they don't know her, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that, in that same scene, I like a, a line that Odo has to Kira. Uh, he says, one of, the, one of the things I've noticed is that one of the prices of freedom of choice is that sometimes people make the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. Not even knowing it. Yeah. Um, what do you guys got for the, what this one's about? I kind of felt like, you know, it's, um, it's the closing of one door, the opening of the other, you know, healing, you know, old wounds. So new opportunities can open up and that's kind of what we see at the end. That's how I felt. Yeah. I, I had trouble, you know, determining if it was just one, if, you know, you could pick out kind of multiple themes. There's definitely that because it's, there's clearly it's bookended by those scenes with uh, Kira praying and, and so forth and Baral and the introduction of this, the new character. But I also think there's a certain, you know, this, this has a lot to say about, uh, being corrupted by too much power and the dangers of that and how quickly things can get out of control and so forth. For sure. What did you think, Brian? Yeah, I think it's this, it's this question of, you know, like I said, with, with her, she's always shades of gray. I, I feel the same way with, with Ducat, you know, which is why it's so interesting by the end of the series when they bring them, bring them together. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, these kind of these kind of questions, you know, because she says things that you're like, well, that almost kind of does make sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, I mean, well, I think Cisco was. I mean, she was. What you're saying, you know, she was right. He was breaking the law. It was, um, but it was an over her. You know, Cisco said it right. It's an overreaction on her part. She didn't want to compromise, and you know, if anybody's followed politics at all. That's that's how politics works. You have to compromise to get what you want, and she wasn't willing to do that, and that's why she lost half of her power, or loses half of her power. But she has. Yeah, it, it is satisfying when Kira has that line for us. So if I were you, I'd start packing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're we're really trying to keep on schedule today. You guys got anything else on this one? I do not. No. All right. Six degrees for Shakar. Uh, Steve. Yes. Sherman Howard plays the victorious dart-playing Vulcan Sivar. In Voyager's seventh season, he plays the Klingon Tigreth in the episode Prophecy. Tigreth doesn't believe Torres is carrying the unborn Klingon savior. To prove this, which member of Voyager's crew does Tigreth challenge to a death match? More recent episode, seventh season, Voyager. Yeah, I remember. I remember the gist of that, but I don't remember the details. Um, uh, Perhaps Belana herself. I don't know. No, I'm afraid that is incorrect. Adam. Um, Tom Paris. You are correct. It was Tom Paris. Ah. Adam. Yes. Duncan Regeer. Is that his, how you pronounce his last name? Steve, do you know? Uh, I do not know. I just guessed. <laughs> All right. Uh, makes his first appearance as Shakar, the leader of Kira's resistance cell. In Next Gen's seventh season, he played Beverly Crusher's ghostly lover, Ronan, in the episode Sub Rosa. Duncan is great, but is his presence enough to make Sub Rosa a good episode? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no. You are correct. It is not <laughs> to make it a good episode. It still stinks. Is it, isn't that the candle where she lights the candle yep. and he? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Gotta hate that episode. 
Okay, <laughs> we did, moving on. Real quick, we didn't mention anything about the B story, the darts. I love it. Oh, that's, that's because it's say. so lame. I have to I forgot to say that. Uh, that the dart story is so lame. It doesn't go anywhere. True, mm. but it's kind of funny. It is funny, mm. but it's it's another one of those odd A B pairings. You know, like yeah. I don't see the connection. Oh well. Gotcha. All right, moving on. Facets, Season 3, Episode 25, Production Number 471. Original air date, June 12th, 1995. Written by Renee Echeverria, directed by Cliff Bowl, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Jeffrey Allen Chandler as Guardian, Max Gredenchik as Rom, Aaron Eisenberg as Nog, Chase Masterson as Lita, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. Dax prepares for her Zeon Tara, the trill rite of closure. During the ritual, ritual, Jadzir will meet Dax's previous host, which will be accomplished by transferring each of the host's memory into separate members of the crew. This will be the first time Dax will face Joran, who Sisko has agreed to take on, but also it will be a chance for her to resolve a past issue with Curzon, who had once denied her the chance to become joined. When Odo joins with Curzon, an unexpected result happens, and it threatens to take Curzon away from Dax forever. So, now that you know, you can see that it's best for both of us that I stay here, in this body. Why? Because you loved me? Because I still love you. Steve, Go ahead. Uh, yes. start us off with this one. I like this episode like I like most Dax episodes because um, I think it has interesting things to say about the different well, facets of, of the human mind. You know, I think it's ah, I mean, facets. I see what you yeah. did. There. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's I mean, I think it's really a fascinating thing to imagine being able to take. I mean, obviously, we have not we've none lived multiple lives or whatever, but um, to be able to take different aspects of your personality and separate them out and then learn something about yourself. I think is fascinating. And I also think it's interesting, like when she was um, speaking to some of them and, and recognizing her mannerisms in those people, uh, that to me is kind of parallels with like when you, when you uh, meet up with old friends and family you haven't seen in a long time and you learn things about yourself and why yeah. you say certain things and do certain things because hmm. you with those people so much in the past, you know, I think it's interesting. Yeah, you know, the older I get, the more I see myself do little things or say little things that, for example, maybe were stuff my dad did or, you know, I definitely I, I see other people in me the older I get. Um, <clears throat> I think I, I, I'm agreeing with you that I like the idea of this. I think it's a fascinating idea. It's a really cool thing. It's a sci-fi kind of thing, but yet a human thing, you know, this story. So that's really neat. Um. They kind of they blow through so many of the characters so fast. Although I'm glad that we see everybody. Maybe they felt too much of it. I was kind of wondered in this episode because over the years, like every time I watch it, I like it just a tiny bit less. I wonder mm-hmm. if maybe they felt too much of a pressure to have you know like a you know like some secret has to come out or there has to be some this dramatic kind of climactic point mm-hmm. and, you know we they get that with um curzon and they spend you know most of the uh, half the episode is is odo as curzon yeah um and we get the the probably the best scene in the episode uh where odo as curzon uh tells dax that he washed her out the first time because he was in love with her and that was inappropriate and um he was glad when she replied so that he could try and make up for it by getting her in 
Um, that is probably the best scene in the episode, but <clears throat> the whole episode has this weird um, imbalance to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the structure, I think, causes that. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I think we we go through all those characters, and there's the setup, and go through all those characters, so it's kind of weird, because, yeah, it is half of it is, is Odo and Curzon, but because it's set up that way, it's very much like stuff, 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 and then boom, now kind of a brief episode yeah. or something. Yeah, so maybe, what it, maybe the whole episode would have been better, it, this, despite the fact that I liked seeing all those those other past lives, maybe it would have been better if the whole ceremony, instead of being bringing everybody out, would have been like, bring out the one that you have a conflict with. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they could have done the whole episode with mm-hmm. um, Curzon. And then that, that might have been made for a stronger episode for me. I think they had enough here to do at least two episodes with this, but I think they just decided, you know, they packed it all in one. I mean, I mean, you could have had um, one episode where it's setting everything up and then the second episode. I mean, it could have been, I think it could have been a good two-parter. You would have had to add a, another storyline in there, obviously. But if you want I think I agree with you guys. It's like really fast. And then, then you get to the story of, of this episode. But like I said, the story that's there is, is sound and, um, yeah. I like that. That scene is great with Curzon. And, and all the actors get to do fun things, you know, so they yeah. enjoy doing, you know, spreading out, you know, using their talents your, a little bit. Who was your favorite of the, uh, <laughs> well, Cisco as Duran is pretty solid, you know, he's crazy. I mean, it's just, that was cool. One of the interesting behind the scenes on that one is that apparently that the first time they, they reshot that scene because Cisco, because Brooks played it too creepy. <laughs> that I would like to, I would like to see those dailies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only weird thing is his performance as Duran didn't remind me in any way of. Yes, that's true. Duran as Duran. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, the last time we saw Duran, you know, they were, you know, embracing each other and right. accepting. And, you know, we talked about this when we saw that episode, it was like, you know, continuously every time we see Duran, he gets crazier and crazier and psychotic, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's true. He's, he's he's Hannibal Lecter by the the seventh season. <laughs> um, I like that um, when um, Curzon says, "I'm I'm not I'm going to stay in Otis' body. I'm not. My memories are not going back in you and X. Uh, it's Cisco that really explains things for Jadzia, you know, mm-hmm. in a way. Right that makes her, you know, understand that she does need to stand up to him and she does stand up to him. Um, you know, she gets the, she reassimilates the, uh, the memories. And I like that it, it's, it seems like the whole point of the, um, Jankara ceremony is actually achieved. You know, right. she's, she's a stronger person than she was before it started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's I think it's also interesting, like when you know when Cisco's talking to Dax about Curzon and that kind of whole awkward thing uh, that we we see in in different shows and movies and so forth, where a person is in that position where they have to an old friend or family member or something that they you know very much cherish in some way they have to speak of and and, and throw in some negative things and it's a little awkward. It's like look, you know good friend you know yeah, something I, I care about but, but yeah they can be a, a butthole or whatever you want to say you know <laughs> that, that and that was kind of what that, he had to that do actually, that, that is what cisco said actually <laughs> he's a butthole oh <laughs> 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 uh, i couldn't help be reminded uh another thing that happened at the creation show 
Um, it was a great panel. We really enjoyed Steve and I. There was a panel with um, God. Who was on that panel? So Max Grunchick, Armin Shimmerman, Jeffrey Combs. Who else was on that one, Steve? Casey Biggs. Right, um, Casey Biggs. Um, oh, Von Armstrong. Yes, Von Armstrong. And there was somebody else, I thought. Sure. Well, uh, they asked, oh, Chase uh, Masterson, right? Yes. Yeah. So they asked um, everybody to to say, what was your favorite moment in the entire series that you got to do? And and Max Grodinchik, the, the actor who plays Rom, his was from this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I turned to see him and said, hey, we're going to be watching that one next week. <laughs> I said, the, the, his favorite moment ever, because it was such a bridge for his character from who he started to where he will be by the end, was the moment in this episode when he you know, realizes that his brother had sabotaged his son's entrance, entrance exam, well, pre-entrance exam, whatever you call it, for the first drop at Academy. And he pushes him up against the wall and he says, if you ever do anything to hurt my son again, I'll burn the bar to the ground. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and he and he noted that as being, <clears throat> like I said, this this bridge, this turning point in his character. Mm-hmm. You know, when this, in this part of way uh, aspect of my life, you will not mess with things. It's more important than you. It's more important than the bar or anything. It prompted mm-hmm. whatever. Um, that's cool. Yeah. Um, what do you guys got for what this one's about? Uh, for me, it's just the notion of uh, coming to terms with an aspect of yourself, you know, like uh, sometimes you have to, you know, confront the fact that there's part of you that you have a problem with, you know, we're kind of, multi- we're all multifaceted and uh, we have to do, we have to deal with that, you know, and at some point you've got to encounter it if you're going to, um, you know, be a better person, a well-rounded person and so forth. I would agree. Uh, yeah. I, I completely agree. Those are the same same kinds of thoughts I had. There, there was one line in there that that um, Kira, playing the first host, um, says, "You know, what is a person but the sum of their memories?" And I heard that line, and I thought, "Oh yeah, I think this is that's what this one's about." But it's not at all. <laughs> I like it. I've had other episodes about that, but this episode is not about that. Mm-hmm. What you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Confronting these 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 uncomfortable aspects of ourselves because mm-hmm. they they make us who we are as well. You mm-hmm. know, she would she would not have been a complete person had Curzon not reassimilated his reassimilated his memories into her. Mm-hmm. All, all those hosts are a part of her, and they all make her into the person she is. Indeed. In, in kind of like, um, well, it's kind of a stretch, but it probably just popped in my head in Star Trek V. You know, Kirk has has the line about, "I need my pain." Uh-huh. Yeah, you no, know, yeah. it defines me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Anything else for this one? Uh, I do not. Nope. Okay, moving on to six degrees to, uh, four facets. All right, what is our current score? I believe it's. Two nil? Yes. Two nil. Okay. Adam. Okay. Jeffrey Allen Chandler plays the Trill Guardian that helps Jadzia during the ceremony. In Voyager's first season, he played Hatil Garan in the episode Emanations. Um, in Venori society, when someone is near death, they are placed in a coffin and transported to the next emanation. 
What member of Voyager's crew takes Garen's place en route to the next emanation? Um... I give you Kim, little, right? Ensign Kim, yeah, right? That's it. That's correct. Ensign Kim. He is killed briefly and then revived. On an asteroid, right? And they, that is correct. An asteroid. Very good. Steve. Yes. How do you pronounce the name of this episode's writer? <laughs> uh, we've often wondered about how to pronounce it. And then at the uh, Star Trek and they said it several times. And every time like, that... Yeah. So, how do you pronounce it? Well, uh, depending on who you cite, you could be uh, Echeveria, Echevaria, Echeveria, or Echevaria. Yes. Very good. <laughs> All right. It sounds very Bajoran. Uh, <laughs> so, what is our score? Three one. Three one. Moving on. The Adversary, Season 3, Episode 26, Production Number 472, Original Air Date, June 19th, 1995, Written by Iris Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf, Directed by Alexander Singer, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Lawrence Pressman as Krajinski, Kenneth Marshall as Michael Eddington, Jeff Austin as Bolian, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. Cisco is promoted to captain, but in his eyes, nothing has really changed, and for the most part, that's true. No time sooner, Ambassador Kinsinji takes him aside and quietly reveals there has been a coup on the Tarkasian homeworld that could threaten Federation colonists, and Cisco and crew must go to the sector to show Federation presence. Along the way, they determine there is a saboteur aboard who has taken control of the Defiant, and it is the Ambassador, who in fact is a changeling. Now the crew must play a cat-and-mouse game with this changeling before he threatens to take the Federation into, the, into a war. How long have the two of you been apart? At least a minute. Then we've got a problem. Any one of us could be the changeling. You, Kira, Eddington, even me. In fact, they must play Choose the Changeling. I'm <laughs> game with uh, Federation children. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, start us off on this one. Um, I enjoyed this episode. It's got a lot of intrigue, you know, it's kind of a little bit mystery there until the, to the middle, you know, and then, you know, you kind of find out what's going on and it's got, um, you know, the ending's really good cause you know, Odo, you know, he has to deal with what he's done. You know, it's almost, you, you know, there's a whole scene early on in the, in the show where he's with, um, the security officer, Eddington. Eddington, and they're, you know, he's asking him if he wants a phaser, and he's like, I've never um, needed one, I've never killed anybody on the job, and, you know, obviously at the end of the episode, he, he does, so yeah, there's a lot of intrigue in this episode, I enjoyed it, it's, the pace is good, it's, it's a good episode. Yeah, I think it's I think it's well constructed. It feels like uh, it feels like a, a little a mini movie in the way because you know they have more time to write that stuff you know in, in a film and and you can kind of p- plug all the holes better and that's what it felt like to me. It felt like it just moves right along and it's you know you know interesting and and it's exciting in parts and stuff. That's what I felt. Uh, yeah, I like how straightforward the story is. Mm-hmm. You know, I like how comparatively simple it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right in it too. I mean, it doesn't take long for this thing to yeah. get going. Um, I like how, not to jump right to the end, but I like I like the way that it ends in that it's it's that that cool thing that DS9 did, whether by design or not. You know, it's not really a cliffhanger, but it is kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more like a 
like a tonal cliffhanger, if you will, you know? Right. Um, I, and I really, I like that. Is this, is this the last season where we won't see a cliffhanger? So to speak? Is well, they never do like a, they never do a to be continued. Okay. From one season to the next on this show. Okay. You know, um, the other shows do, but not this one. Um, I have a, an odd, silly little story to tell about this episode. I don't know why mm-hmm. I like telling these kind of stories, but I do. I remember in the 90s, I had, uh, they, they put this episode, they released this cool VHS box set. Because <laughs> again, in the 90s, could not afford to buy every individual episode. Because they were mm-hmm. one VHS tape at a time, or yeah. two episodes per Laserdisc, and they never even finished those. It was just too expensive, and I was a you know, college kid or whatever. I, I couldn't afford that. So I just bought select episodes. And I remember... Uh, I was also in the army for a while, and at the PX, they would always get in any kind of little collection that they made. They made this one collection called the Captain's Collection. It was a cool little box because it was like it was an episode from each series, and this at that time it was four series, and they were like bookended in a way that they made a box, and then they just put a top and the bottom. The episode from DS9 was called The Adversary, and I remember playing that episode in my crappy little apartment there when I was in the <laughs> army. You remember that one, Steve? Mm-hmm. And uh, something happened. Like I was in the other room stuck in the other room doing something. I don't remember what, but somehow the VHS tape messed up. And at the part where, right at the end, right at the end where Odo says, uh, you know, the changeling's trying to get Odo to, can, you know, help change to his side. And Odo says, I don't think so. And he pushes him into the, the warp yeah. core and kills him. Somehow the tape got like on this weird loop and just kept backing up and replaying. <laughs> I heard Odo say over and over and over, I don't. <laughs> so, some, so those words, you know, you listen to that over and over for like five minutes, and that will be stuck in your head for the rest of your. Life. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that doesn't have anything to do with anything, but yeah, yeah. funny story to go along with the, yeah. your experiences. So this is kind of uh, Star Trek's version of the thing. You know, I can't watch this episode without thinking about John Carpenter's mm-hmm. version of the thing. You know, because they have they even had the blood test and everything. If you guys remember that scene from the yeah. uh, thing. Um, but th- in that sense, the suspense works because I think that's one of those things that we kind of, again, in retrospect, maybe we take for granted now this the changeling as impersonating somebody in that way. Um, and the suspense and paranoia of not knowing who to trust or who, who's real and who's a changeling. Um, but this episode really introduced that for this series. Mm-hmm. Really, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. This episode introduced a lot of things that are going to stay with DS Nine for the rest of the series. Um, Blood screening, think, right? Yeah, uh, this is the first time we've seen the uh, engineering in the Defiant, which yeah. is cool. It's it's an appropriately smaller engineering section, but it looks cool. Um, see the mess hall too, right? Yep, we see the mess hall for the first time, and uh, Captain Cisco. Mm-hmm. Yep. Can't, let this episode go by without mentioning his promotion. Yep. I think a lot of people didn't realize <laughs> a lot of people that are, you know, normal level of Star Trek fandom, probably watching the series, didn't even realize he wasn't a captain. Right. <laughs> yeah. The top guy in the show, he's a captain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. But no, he was a commander, which was, I don't know. Did we ever talk about that? Why why the decision was to make him a commander? Was that has it ever been talked about? Or you guys no. ever read anything about that? I don't even, I've never even heard that, that it was a foregone conclusion that he would become a captain, actually. No, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But commander, that would be the same level rank as 
Riker. Data. Uh, yes. Okay. Data was lieutenant commander. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Riker, Riker as a commander. Right. Riker on next gen, or Chakotay on Voyager. Yeah. yeah. Was it, did Data become it? Was he commander by the time he? But the, by the time the last movie came around, I don't know that they did that. I don't. I don't believe so. I think he was. They were all still the same. That's the. Uh, that's the penance you pay in Star Trek. <laughs> you have your regular. You're never going to get anywhere. You're never going to get promoted. This is one of the rare times we actually see somebody get promoted. Well, we see Worf get promoted. Ensign for seven years, right? That's true. We do see him get promoted. Worf promoted. Worf. We get to see war promoted. Something we see a lot too are auto destruct sequences. I, <laughs> I, I wonder how many times we've seen that. Someone, I'm sure that data is available somewhere, but in all the Star Trek series and movies, how many times have we seen going through some kind of rigmarole with the auto destruct sequence? He, we do hear her count down a little bit, right? Yeah, when I, engineering. I, I, I've had the same thought, right? That they've said it way too many times. You know, <laughs> They've introduced uh, Autodestruct way too many times. Um, and it, it happened for the first time in the very original series. Yeah. Uh, which was cool also because Star Trek Three being my favorite Star Trek film, they it's one of the few times they initiate Autodestruct and actually use it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and when they do it in Star Trek Three, by the way, the sequence code they enter is the same one they use in the original series. But um, <clears throat> I always liked how in, golly, First Contact... So that's Star Trek Eight, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they initiate the self-destruct, and and Picard says, "Silent countdown." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Peter says, "There, you know, however many minutes it is till the destruction, there will be no further audio warning." And I remember <laughs> I saw that, and I thought, "That's because they think we're just sick of hearing the <laughs> yeah initiated the auto destruct so many times over the years." Uh, anyway. <laughs> You guys got anything for what this one? Oh wait, there's one more scene I want to just mention. I've talked about this scene uh, about uh, I've talked about this scene several times before, but here now we've gotten to the episode where it is. I just love that scene between Cisco and Eddington. It's such a simple, sweet little scene. I love it. Eddington comes in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cisco tells him, "I need you to, you know, guard the admiral if hostilities break out." And Eddington says, um, "I." I, I just wanted to congratulate you because it really is about time they gave you this promotion. It's great. You you should have it. And then he says, and I, I love this little line about, you know, nobody joins Starfleet to become, I don't remember, lieutenants. And then, but then he says, or admirals for that matter. It's the captain's chair that everybody wants. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. uh, and then Cisco says, you know, you could always switch from uh, security <laughs> to command. And then Eddington says, you know, there's a nice little beat there. And then he says, then who would guard the Admiral? Um, it's a little foreshadowing with the hindsight well, that we have. That is true. But I, I like that when you see the scene, for me, it feels more like, um, you know, accepting your role and your position and being really content with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't know. I've just always really liked that scene. I think it's a very good scene. So what do you guys got for what this episode's about? Hmm. It's a little bit it's it's kind of an action romp so maybe we don't have much for what this one's about that's kind of how i viewed it it was hard for me yeah. to nail it down if i if i had to just dig up something i mean you could talk about um you know kind of the, the effects of paranoia and the dangers of everyone you know they, they definitely touch on that and that'll that's a theme we're going to see over and over yeah. again uh, with, they're gonna they're gonna explore yeah. that in a much uh, more detailed and superior way in the next two-parter next season, season. Yeah, yeah. Is that, that two-parter on Earth? Is that season four? Yeah, four, season, season four, four, yes. Okay, so that's soon. 
Um, anything else? No, like I said, um, it's to me, it's kind of more, it's more like a it's an episode that kind of moves the um, the arc forward in a way because it has has a lot to do with. Um, if I was going to say it had to do with anybody, there, there's two parts: Cisco becoming captain, which to me is kind of a smaller part of this episode and it's just kind of a more of a formality but this one kind of has to do with more with um odo and we'll see where you know he has to deal with what he's done and you know in the next season so but like i, I said I, I think it's kind of an action rock too. i gotta say I, I still remember the first time i saw this episode just for the last line it, it was as ominous as they hoped it would be when mm-hmm. when odo says you know the last thing the changeling said to me before he died you're too late. We are everywhere. I remember it giving me goosebumps when I was, yeah. you know, when, 20 years mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> last thing I'm going to say about this episode is, once again, we are reminded how much it sucks to be non-essential personnel. <laughs> <laughs> First time I get locked away in their quarters with a force field? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, then, the, yeah, the only death that we see in this one is that, you know, the guy's neck gets broken. It's kind of br- <laughs> a little bit brutal in a way, you know? It's just yeah. yeah. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Moving on. Six degrees for the adversary. Uh, what is our current score? 3-1. Three, 3-1. One. Three, one. All right. Um, Adam. Yes. Jeff Austin plays the bully and security officer that doesn't trust Major Kira is, in fact, Major Kira. In Voyager's fourth season, he played the alien Allos. Allos was a scientist trying to harness the power of the universe's most powerful molecule. Name the Starfleet General Order that requires a Starfleet captain to destroy such a molecule, and it also happens to be the name of the episode in question. I am familiar with the episode, but I am not familiar with the title. Uh oh! I will have to pass that on to. Don't remember the name of the Mr. Starfleet Henry. General Order? No, I don't. No, you do not, Steve. Oh, I'm racking my brain. Um, this sounds. This is very familiar. Um, how about? Oh, Omega 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 Directive. Omega oh, Directive. The Omega Directive. You are correct. Yeah. <laughs> very yeah. nice. Hey, nice. I actually believe that you did pull that out of your brain right there. You weren't. Really- <laughs> <laughs> didn't know it the whole time. So if you did know it the whole time, just know that you're getting much better at sounding like you did. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay, three, two. Steve? Yes. Saying the Omega Directive reminds me of an original series episode title featuring a scene that we saw some uh, Trek fans humorously reenacting uh-huh. convention last weekend. What's the name of that episode? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, is, um, that is the Omega Glory the Omega Glory, that is correct. Yes, it's all we saw, about the Omega. Yeah, we saw some uh, Trek fans. They were dressed up in those, like, what are they, bear skins or something? And one of them had the, right. one of them had the American flag, and one of them had the Constitution, or no, direct Declaration of Independence, right? Eblanista. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> okay, so we have now completed season three, and we briefly want to uh, kind of recap it. <clears throat> um, you know, looking over the season. Are we all in agreement that the worst episode of the season was Meridian? I believe that's the case. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We do not like Meridian at all. Um, but there are a lot of good episodes in the season. Yeah, there are a couple others we didn't care for, but there's certainly some in there. You know, if if you guys had to pick, like, what what are your I don't know two favorites from the season? 
two favorites. I gave I gave you two. What would you pick? Hmm. Yeah. Do you have a thought, Adam, on that? Um. Well, it's hard to pick two because I really liked um, Improbable Cause and the Dias Cast, but I also liked the Explorers and um, I like the House of Cork. Um, just well, for you know, just for pure it, entertainment and intrigue, I'll go with um, the Dias Cast and um, Improbable Cause. Mm-hmm. What about you, Steve? Well, um, yeah, if I have to pick one of those kind of that kind of a two-parter, I'd say the Dias Cast would be one. And uh, um, which one did you pick as your second one, Adam? Well, I picked I picked the, both of he the, picked the both two of those. Oh, both of them, yeah. Um, I would say the dice cast and then, gosh, um, it's hard to narrow down. Maybe second skin, um, but second I, skin yeah. is my favorite episode for the season. I think mm-hmm. I've just, I've always gravitated toward that one. I really love that one. It works in so many levels. It's, it's good in every way an episode can be good. I really like second skin. Mm-hmm. I still have a blast watching, um, civil defense. I could watch that. It's, it's weird. Maybe there's nothing oh, yeah. that special yeah. about it, but I could watch Civil Defense anytime. I think I could put that on anytime, and it's like, like uh, if I even though I own everything on DVD, sometimes I'll be flipping channels, right? And somebody will <laughs> play uh, Star Trek will be on, and maybe I'll watch it. If Civil Defense is on, I will watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's there's plenty of good ones. Yeah, I mean, if if there was like an award for best action romp kind of thing, and it wasn't the Improbable Cause Dies Cast thing, the one we just talked about, Adversary is really Adversary, good, and. Yeah. Uh, and I think Visionary gets some kind of nod for the interesting time yeah. time travel yeah. angle it takes, you know. I know. I remember from our discussion that I was a much bigger fan of Heart of Stone than you guys. But um, I'll always kind of uh, remember that one in a, in a very good way. Um, so overall, uh, I don't know. Would you guys you guys think that each season's gotten better than the previous season? Is three better than I two? Do. I do. Yeah. At least thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, and overall, it was it was definitely a very good season. A lot of good character development. What character do you guys think developed the most? Had the most Odo. going on in this season? Odo. I would say Odo. Yeah, same here, Steve. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say Odo as well. Yeah, but also some interesting secondary character things too, like uh, Rom. We're beginning to see, mm-hmm. you know, his arc unfold. The Nog. Yeah, Nog. And Nog. Nog. Yeah, Nog. Yes. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff. You know, in many ways, I think I've said this before too. You know, Rom and Nog—they—they they change more than some of our principles. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you look you look back at um, um, Rom. I mean, you know, he was trying to kill his brother in the first season. I mean, yeah. not that much has changed. You know, he was threatening <laughs> last episode. Well, you could I mean, a more direct comparison would be uh, was it the first season where he didn't want he didn't want his son to attend a human school? Yeah. You know, right. and and now he's threatening to burn the bar to the ground uh, if if uh, Quark gets in the way of not getting into Starfleet Academy. He buys him a uniform. That's right. I would I would like to see Garrick make that uniform. They could have just had <laughs> him working on it. Or little discussion between um, Rom and Garrick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, the most exciting thing about completing season three is that in two weeks. We are discussing The Way of the Warrior, Parts 1 and 2, and The Visitor. Oh, man. It's too much. It's crazy. And uh, we'll do Hippocratic Oath as well. (laughs) 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 I'm so excited to watch those episodes. 
and to talk about them. It's great. I'm very excited. Um, and before we uh, sign off, we just want to make a little mention. Um, Steve, uh, you know, so Steve and I, like I said, we went to the uh, the Creation Trek show. Now, I've talked, I don't know if I've talked about this before. You know, my personal thing is creation, they're not my favorite. You know, going to a creation show isn't, there's not necessarily my cup of tea, just kind of the way they run things and the, the for-profit nature of everything. You know, I respect I respect it for what it is. And if you go into it knowing what it is, then that's that's cool. Um, but, you know, I don't go to go to a creation show every year. I go to Comic-Con every single year because I really love Comic-Con. But, you know, without going into too much detail there, we did have a great time. Uh, it was the 45th anniversary celebration um, for Star Trek. Uh, as one woman in particular reminded us every single time she got up to ask a question from every single mm-hmm. person that came on the stage. <laughs> uh, but there, there were so many um, great panels and things. And I just wanted to pick like a couple that I thought were the most memorable things for me. Um, one, on the last day, uh, Patrick Stewart and um, Kate Mulgrew and Bill Shatner were on stage together, which was really neat. To see those three captains on stage together was was a blast. I don't know that anything particularly awesome was said during that, but it was just really cool to see the three of them together. Um, but by far, like the the hour that we were there, the four, the four days we were there, the single hour that was so great it made the entire trip worth it was Leonard Nimoy coming out. Because I've seen Nimoy so many times that I've forgotten some of the times I've seen him, right? Um, and... Um, he had said this would be his last of these big creation Vegas shows. Um, and we've heard that before, but you know, then he came out of retirement for uh, the last movie mm-hmm. and then he started going to conventions again and stuff. And I, I don't know, you get to a point and you're like, maybe it's, it's hard to believe when he says this is the last one, but he is 80 years old. So the way it normally works, you know, for everybody, like uh, people come out on stage and maybe they talk for 10 or 15 minutes if they've got 45 to 60 minutes, maybe they'll talk for 10 or 15 minutes, excuse me, before they say, and now I'll take your questions. Sometimes people just come out, pop themselves in a chair and say, give me your questions. Um, Nehemoy came out and he immediately, he, he was the only person in the entire weekend. He had a podium. He put like this book up on the podium and he pushed a button for the first, for a slide to come up. So he had a slideshow for us. And he started, you know, like, I was born, and I got that, and showed us a picture, right? And he spent that hour telling us his entire life story from birth to pretty much present. You know, and like 30 minutes in, and he's just getting to Star Trek, you know, and I remember turning to Steve and saying, oh my God, maybe this is his last show because he's giving us his entire life story. Um, but... It was amazing because he is so amazing. And hearing him, I don't, I don't think there's anybody else this weekend, that weekend, that could have given me their life story that I would have enjoyed it. But I love it <laughs> from him. He's an in, incredible orator. He's such a presence. And he's such a brilliant freaking guy. He's the only guy associated with Star Trek that I use the term brilliant without hesitation. You know, well, maybe Gene Roddenberry. Um, And it was so lovely and heartwarming and great to hear everything that he said and for him to to, to listen to him tell us this, this, his life story. And, you know, at the end of it, he said, you know, thank you um, for being such fans and in so many ways um, 
providing me all these opportunities. And he walked off stage without any quest, taking any questions and he filled up the hour telling us his story. And it was great. It was, it was so awesome. I said to Steve several times, um, that made the entire trip worth it. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I assume you're probably in agreement about that being the highlight of the weekend, Steve. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Any other things you'd want to mention or anything about, about Nimoy that you'd want to comment on? No. Um, Shatner touched me. He was a filming. Right, tell that story. That's good. Yeah, yeah. He's he's running around filming a documentary. Again, the guy's eighty years old, and he's running around, bossing people around, creating a documentary about fans. And uh, at some point, uh, I think you just stepped away for a moment, Brian. He said, "In your seat, actually. So your your butt's been where Shatner's butt was. Okay. So there you go." And uh, he was setting up a shot, like he wanted someone to film somebody coming by or something like that. And he said he he kind of held down my legs, said, "You just sit right there, stay right there," or something like that. And then he sat there and framed up a shot, and then walked on out. So there you go. <laughs> Real quick, I saw um, you know I was at the Chicago Comic Con. I did see Lavar Burton, and he says he still holds a holds out small hope for a another um, generations movie. Mm. So cool. And of course, the Chicago convention is where the Patrick Stewart being there for that marriage proposal happened. Oh, that's yeah. been on the web and everything. Yeah. Told us yeah. that story Sunday. Well, yeah. Told us that story, but then we subsequently saw the picture. Um, yeah, I didn't see the marriage proposal, but um, Patrick Stewart's. A, it's, if you haven't got a chance to see him out there, he's a lot of fun to see. You know, you see him on on film and stage, and he seems very serious, but he's like a a, a nutball. He's very goofy and. <laughs> And, you know, as you guys probably know, um, so he's a lot of fun to see and, he, you know, he'll make you laugh and it's a good time. Cool. Yeah. For all the Star Trek people I've seen, this was the first time I'd ever seen Patrick Stewart. Me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same here. So we had a lot of fun and uh, we are going to have a lot of fun in a couple of weeks when we talk about those season four episodes. Can't wait. Very excited. <laughs> um, so... <clears throat> Send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Fred us on Facebook, facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Leave us a review on iTunes. We would really love that. I mean it, I mean it, I mean it. That would be awesome. Um, what else? Uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, which is uh, at trekcompanion. Um, okay. So until next time, take it easy. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.